0: How you doing?
1: I am doing great. How are you?
0: I'm not sure if that was like fake optimism or not. Um, I'm doing alright.
1: No, not fake. Not fake.
0: I like your response today when I was talking to you about the poem. I was like, okay, I feel like he's blowing smoke up my ass right now. I'm alright. I'm sick. So, it's life.
1: Yeah, you said it was chesty. Like uh, Ethel Merman.
0: Everything about me is a little chesty, hearty, mm-hmm. hearty, hearty. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Take that, that victory bite of pizza.
0: At least I'm eating.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I I forget true. to eat when I'm sick. The beer also helps with my illness.
1: That is medical fact.
0: I well, Eric's gone, and so I stole I stole some of his beers.
1: I really thought you were going to say so i have <laughs> to get my own beer
0: oh, my life is hard
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i don't normally drink beer at home or honestly in general anymore i was a much uh bigger beer drinker uh in my college years
1: it suits the montana climate Heavy beer in the winter and, like, a light summer honey or a trout slayer in the summer. Oh, God.
0: This podcast will make no sense to anyone who isn't familiar with the breweries of Missoula, Montana.
1: Well, I I have a very vivid memory of a helping Secret Weapon family member and friend of the show, uh, Maya, with her lawn because it had just kind of gotten... A little out of control, like waist-high grass and quack grass and weeds and stuff. And, you know, I said, yeah, I'll mow your lawn for you. It's whatever. She had the mower. It was just like a little bit of my time. So she thanked me with um, a six-pack. And what I thought was going to be a relatively, you know, small endeavor took a while. And when I got done, it was, you know, it was like 90 so it was kind of hot Sounds out. Sounds like But when summer. I got done. <laughs> oh yeah, right? Oh, it was a summer. I was mowing the lawn. I got hot. It was so weird. <laughs> um, but when I got done, I vividly remember thinking a beer has never tasted this good before. And it was this really cold Trout Slayer. And it was simultaneously refreshing and filling. And I put a buzz on like that. It was so Well, good. you
0: probably like sweated out everything all the water in your body it's you're literally just have beer running through you
1: well and i was poor college dan then so i probably hadn't eaten yet probably
0: not um that actually a similar thing happened to me i don't know why i feel the need to share the story but i'm gonna i was hiking up to this this lake by mount rainier Uh, i think it's called like summit lake and it was a it was a weekend trip. I actually went with three of your fraternity brothers, who I never met in college. But I'm sure you can think of the three. And
1: I am sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: it was them, and then also uh, Maria, who was in the sororities at UM, and no For Bamford. Yeah, Maria Bamford. She and I talked pugs the entire time. I actually had a dream about Maria Bamford and Bruce Bamford, her her dog. Wasn't her dog's name Bruce? Yeah. Her dog's Probably. name. Probably. Yeah. Um,
1: was it of a sexual nature?
0: No, no, no. We, we just met at the dog park and had the best conversation. So, anyway. I'll bet. I was up with a few people, all of whom went to UM and all of whom I never knew at UM. um we were talking about Montana, and I felt like such a boss because no one really... There were a few people that were like kind of hikers, but no one really prepared except for me, and I just felt so Montana. We were hiking, we were hiking, we were hiking, and you know how in Montana PBR is like water. It's like our watery beer. It's our it's our cheap beer substitute.
1: Um, I would say in Missoula, but yes, yeah,
0: in Missoula. Sorry, and Bud Light, like, Billings. Um,
1: Coors. Coors. Coors is king.
0: Of course it is. So. Ah! <laughs> So I, we were hiking and we opened a bunch of Rainiers when we got to the top and it was like fog was resting over the, the lake and it was really beautiful and I just remember drinking that Rainier and feeling like I am a fucking badass right now and that beer, I drank it like water. I mean of course Rainier isn't really high alcohol content but I get that feeling of victorious alcohol and then also immediately being drunk.
1: It's uh, the only other time that's happened to me in my life where well, I mean, there's plenty of times where I haven't eaten and I'm like, whoa! But after I ran a Spartan Our last race, podcast just me. before I got married, yeah, you know, <laughs> 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 But just before I got married I ran a Spartan race. Um, and when you get done, part of your entry fee covers like two, uh, two drink tickets or whatever. And when you get done there's this little bullpen for everybody who's finished the race and they have like terrible beer on tap. They pour it with way too much foam, but man, that'll, uh, after running a, you know, four and a half mile obstacle race, that's a a pretty satisfying beer.
0: Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Man, beer is so good. I'm just gonna drink. What are you drinking over there?
1: Water. I have actually, uh, cut back on my drinking considerably. Um, trying to lose weight and the biggest part of empty calories I consume are alcohol. That's
0: for me too. Plus I
1: get, and I get drunk munchies. It's the worst. I'm like, oh, you don't go good with this vodka? French fries. Yeah.
0: For me it's like, oh hey, I just had this glass of wine. Now I need to eat an entire cheesecake. (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) Makes no sense. No,
0: not at all. But yeah, that's definitely a thing for me too. I haven't really been drinking too much the last few, uh, last few months, honestly. So.
1: And it's interesting to see how that... Like, the difference in writing, like...
0: (laughs) That I'm really boring now.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. I feel like there's a difference in, at least personally, my mentality. Late at night, not having to drink, and staring at the blank page. Mm -hmm. I feel much more like a tactical writer Mm. when I'm sober. I feel like I'm trying to approach things in a little more of an analytical way, and a little less of a feeling way, and I have to plot or strategize my way into a a place where I find emotional resonance, whereas when I'm writing drunk, I'll find like an emotional kernel, nugget of truth, or a line, and then I have to build structure from that, and find something to come out of it. Uh, But I, Mm -hmm. I just found that interesting as I was, I've gotten on a really weird schedule I'm getting up, working Coming home, hanging out with my wife Reading, writing She goes to bed I stay up, work out In my basement Which is way less creepy now And then write some more And like Last night I was up until 2 in the morning Not because I was drinking And not because I was anxious over work Or anything like I have been But because I was inspired Mm. Like, I kept writing, and I outlined this...
0: The poem word. you were talking about?
1: Yeah. And then uh, I was like, oh, it's one fifteen. I should go to bed. And I couldn't sleep because I was too excited thinking about, like, worlds exploding in my head. It was, uh, it was a really cool night. It was nice.
0: I like hearing that.
1: I... I waited until you were swallowing pizza to finish. I timed that perfectly. You really did. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, I it's interesting. Sometimes I'll just write about whatever and sometimes I'll have a goal. And it's interesting with our our poetry blog because I often you're not getting pizza. Aww, At least
1: they're But still- I want pizza.
0: I want it's Anne's pug so I really would like you to add the bane voice for him
1: but your pizza looks delicious
0: I like how how closely your bane teeters on Sean Connery So with our poetry blog in general I often think I have an idea normally of what I want to write about and then it's just sort of figuring out how to work that line in. And I'm sure you can tell sometimes where it was like, she just really wanted to write about this and just was like looking for some way to do it.
1: (laughs) No, I get that. And it's fun when the line just perfectly matches up with what you were going to write about. But it's way more fun when it just has nothing nothing to do do with it. and You're like, how am I going to shoehorn this? I guess I'm going to get some creative allegory in there. I
0: guess I'm going to do another last minute line to... Tie it into that thing I started with.
1: And end with it. (laughs) But I almost
0: like when I can't, when I don't have an idea for a poem and I have this line and I come up with something that I probably never would write about. This is sort of the beautiful thing about this project is, one, seeing the very different places you and I go. Sometimes we're very similar or at least along the same trajectory, but sometimes it's a completely different idea and it's very cool to see the differences. And I guess I love seeing that, but I also love that I have written about certain things where I'm like, I've never been interested in writing that. The only reason I wrote that was because I wanted to figure out some way to incorporate this line. And I like that. Some of my favorite poems have been for that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fun. I got some really good advice from a writer on Saturday night. It was my sister's birthday, and we had a nice party, um, and there's this friend of ours who's uh, what was is a bar patron at the bar we both worked at and she's a published novelist her name is Grace, she's a sweetheart and she was talking about writer's block or just her frustration with the blank page sometimes and what she'll do is reach for the nearest book and find the first line that inspires her, like only of authors she truly respects and loves finds the first line that inspires her writes down that line and then writes from that. And then later she goes back and erases the first line and then fills it in with something else now that she's written this whole page off of someone else's line as a prompt. I love that. Right?
0: (laughs) I love that. Sorry. My sickness and drinking. Yeah. I get it. It reminds me, honestly, did you ever in like an English 101 course or, oh my God, my phone is blowing up. (laughs) it's your boyfriend Uh, hi Skylar (laughs) (laughs) yeah so did you ever in English uh, have to do that thing where you start with a line and you just have to keep writing and keep writing and keep writing for like five minutes or something and just sort of see where it goes yeah but normally there's like a line or you like take your neighbor's line and you build off of it It, I I just remember like having to do those insane exercises and it kind of reminds me of that but Some interesting stuff happens from that. Although I often would just write gibberish that was like Jack Candy quotes, so.
1: (laughs) I was in a excellent poetry workshop once with uh, the incomparable Jackie Coffin. Um, And yeah, you, you you know Jackie, right?
0: Yeah, I know Jackie Coffin. Like, I didn't know you knew Jackie Coffin.
1: Jackie was my poetry bro. We took three poetry classes together. No, that's not true. I was only in one class with Jackie. Um, we just worked but together. Jackie was Jackie was an excellent poet. Uh, she had some really great pieces. But it was her and Sam Nichols. Um, Sam yeah. was my re- yeah Sam was my real poetry bro. Sam and I were in three classes together, and she had me on her poetry talk show or I wrote, uh, with radio with show.
0: Some, yeah, on the on the college radio network. I, I, I believe I sat with her one time when she did that. Yeah, I did not. I did not read. Her.
1: Sam was, Sam was uh, a great friend to write with and share stuff with. Um, and she would defend my poems when people were being dicks about them. But we did an exercise once based on uh, the Chuck Jones rules for the Roadrunner and um, Wile E. Coyote cartoons. Mm-hmm. He had a very simple list of like six rules that happened in every cartoon. And all the ones he was in charge of before it got handed off to other people or whatever follow that formula exactly and so we applied it to poetry and our teacher said you're going to write rules for the poems we're all going to write so we passed a piece of paper around the table and everybody wrote down one rule and then we all free wrote and we had to adhere to all the rules we'd collectively just come up with and it was inspired work from a lot of people it was really really fun yeah these sorts what, of constraints just can be great at times
0: it's like that drinking game where someone can say like you can't say i and stuff like that and you develop mm-hmm. rules can, would you share like two or three if you can remember them i'm curious because i kind of want to try that sometime
1: i 100 percent remember the rule that i wrote which was you have to incorporate a bob dylan lyric well that's easy I know, me. but it's also if, it's if, also me. If
0: you're if you're the child of my father, that's real easy.
1: Yep, I was pretty pleased because I, I got to work in, and I ain't gonna work on Maggie's farm no more. <laughs> and that made me happy. I would have done
0: Lay Lady Lay because I just I don't know that song itself inspires me, and the covers uh, of it. So
1: I was gonna say there's a great cover to that on the Mister and Mrs Smith soundtrack.
0: Is it I, Magnet and, and J- featuring Gemma? I
1: think, that's, I think it's that's...
0: Pink Martini. Ah, interesting. Well, if you find it, share it on our Twitter. Shabling! Um,
1: At slow
0: underscore collapse.
1: Underscore. We're big on the underscores. Um, yeah, we
0: are. It's yeah. how we are able to have uh, <laughs> <Any> original <Twitters. laughs> Twitter handles. <laughs> uh,
1: but I'm trying to think of what another one of the rules was. Um, I think one was... You have to have a rhyming couplet somewhere. Oh um, god, I would have
0: hated that. You know me and rhyming. I get so angry when I accidentally rhyme. Although I did yeah. go for it one time.
1: Yeah. Rhyming is a is a challenge. I learned that the other night when I wrote a parody song, Spur of the Moment, um, for a cabaret that I might be a part of coming up. So
0: Ooh. That's yeah. exciting. When is it?
1: Yeah, it will be. Um, he's starting it up, so it's gonna be monthly. He's doing the first one in March, and he gave me an open invitation, so I'm hoping I can do the one in April or May. Um, but, well, I'd yeah, love it's it if he did one while well I'm there. Cool. Yay! That's yeah, why I'd, I asked. I'd love if it overlapped. That'd be awesome. Um, right. Yeah,
0: I'm just working on my next few months schedule. Yeah, right. I'm not really sure why I was like talking like in that conversation. I was like, I started that conversation between you and me and Clark. I was like, why am I, why am I talking to Dan through this one? No. <laughs> it's like <laughs> let's talk separately. I did enjoy Clark's notes about the podcast, though. He's like, I don't know what I do.
1: Well, that's water is wet. Clark is Clark. I I, I don't. I don't even know.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, it's always nice to get notes. I um, Maya listened to our podcast in my car, our last podcast, which was the Oscars podcast, which was not even a week ago, but I'm going to Mexico, so you're very kindly recording early.
1: Yeah, so, that... so there will be no gloating from either of us about who yeah. won the Oscar pool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly going to say I think you're going to win, because I d- definitely voted with my heart it's sort of oh, like play how Megan <laughs> it, it's sort of like how Megan last year voted I think for Mad Max for everything during an Oscar bet and she because she loved it she loved it and I have to give it that that she loved it the only time I went against something that I actually felt was animated feature because I think Kubo could win even though I really would love Moana to win um, that's
1: fair those things are hard I, they honor- I don't know it's the same with, like, uh, the Super Bowl or, I mean, you don't, you don't bet against your team, but it's a little different when it's a team you've been following for years versus a movie you saw a few times that year. Like, even yeah. if you saw it a bunch, like, I loved Mad Max Fury Road, but I knew there was no way in hell.
0: Yeah, it's, I did enjoy your question on Super Bowl Sunday this year. It did make me laugh and made me feel like I know more about football than one person in my life.
1: Oh, yeah, I have. Very, very little interest. I'll go to a game. Like, I'm not a snob or, like, <laughs> these plebeian sports. Back in my day when we had a Colosseum. Um,
0: so are you an ancient Roman?
1: No, but I am going to recommend you something that has to do with gladiatorial combat, so...
0: Always good. Uh, yeah, for me, I really like watching it and having a super... I'm on a fantasy league, and or I was, and so... And I did really, really well for my fantasy league. I felt very, very strong. I chose two very good players that were kinda underdogs, and everyone kinda scoffed at me, and one of them was the, one of the QBs for the Super Bowl, so it wasn't Tom Brady.
1: Well, there you go.
0: So, the Atlanta Falcons did very well, and having some Atlanta Falcons on my fantasy team was really sweet. Also the Cowboys.
1: I wonder if fantasy sports is in any way making Dungeons & Dragons more socially acceptable. Like all the statistics that you have to calculate in order to have a good time and all the numbers that you're looking at, like that's been a big thing I think that is, aside from stigma and the fact that it's Dungeons & Dragons, like for a lot of people it's like, I don't want to do math to have a good time. I don't want to be calculating shit. Math's not fun. <laughs> As Titus Andromedon would say, Numbers, the most boring of shapes. <laughs>
0: uh, I really like math. I mean, I've talked to you about that. My foreign language in college was math.
1: That I did not know.
0: Oh, I didn't tell you that? Yeah, because when you're a psych major, you have to take several uh, psychology-focused math courses, like psych statistics, and I really liked them and one, one summer I took three math classes four math classes between three wow. and four math classes three and a half math classes and apparently if you take two math classes beyond the like prereq math course you can use math as your foreign language fun fact at University of Montana they so also math... let you
1: do that with music theory
0: oh mm-hmm. there, there you go Music is its own language.
1: Yeah, like, I think it's, what is it, Language and uh, Symbolic Systems. It's like the f- hmm. full title of the category or something.
0: I like that. Yeah, so that's that was my, that was my math. But I actually really, I brought this up at, on my other podcast that I really want to do a D, DCOM fantasy league. But it's tricky because all the DCOMs have pretty much happened. And so, and I don't really want to be focusing strongly on the new ones cuz i think the original ones are much better.
1: So would you just be hedging on which ones would be the most successful?
0: I don't like, know cuz we were talking about miss cuz there's like like reality television shows have like fantasy leagues. Like my office has a fantasy bachelor league, which I'm okay. Cool. Whatever, guys. So i mean there's ways to do things with just regular television. But I feel like it it doesn't work if it's not live. But I really want to have a fantasy DCOM league. And so I want someone to figure out how to do that.
1: Well, I guess The Bachelor works because of the competition angle. Like, someone's going to get eliminated. But mm-hmm. with DCOMs, I think it might work... You know, I think it would work better for, like, a series. Like, I yeah. think you could probably do a Disney Channel series and have characters doing certain things like bet- betting on their character arc for the season
0: like oh they say something nerdy
1: <sighs> forced can laughter
0: <laughs> the the dad's being oafish the mom does this to the camera
1: <sighs> sheldon cooper said something that a normal person wouldn't say in conversation <laughs> what
0: <laughs> Okay, first rule of this podcast, we don't talk about the Big Bang Theory. Second rule the alway- <laughs> is we always make fun of Jimmy Fallon. Those are That's our true. only two rules.
1: Uh, my buddy Will is coming back through from staying in the Canary Islands, and he just scored us tickets to Colbert, um, which nice. I'm really excited about. But he said, would you want to go see a late night show like Fallon or or Colbert? And I said, I'd see Colbert. I have zero interest in going to Jimmy Fallon.
0: Question, what does Will do? Because he is always traveling. I mean, I know he's in a long distance relationship, but he is always gone.
1: Will works for a company called Service Station that his brother-in-law owns. So he is a part of a team that provides the scheduling and somewhat reception service for glass doctors throughout the country. Like the franchise glass doctor. So you call the glass doctor in Atlanta. It's one of their clients. It gets routed to one of the guys who's working at that time. And they have all the information on their screen. They can tell you how to get their directions as if they're in the store. Like, oh, there's the McDonald's across the street. They have the weather pulled up so they can talk like they're at the shop. Um, But they schedule, you know, window fittings, windshield replacements, that sort of thing. So for the business owner of the Glass Doctor, there's no upfront cost, but they make commission on everything they sell. And then the business owner gets their scheduling taken care of and their reception taken care of at no upfront cost to them.
0: That's nice. So Mm -hmm. I know what a Glass Doctor is, but my first like, thought that came through my head when you said that was, I was like, you mean an optometrist, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> that's where my head went.
1: <laughs> he helps the glasses doctors. <laughs> he helps them with their glasses patients.
0: <laughs> he helps them see good. <laughs>
1: oh, uh, boy.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. So, well, that's that answers my question, but it also doesn't answer my question as to how we'll... Is able to be gone all the time, but I suppose love finds a way. Mm, There you go. Love finds a
1: way. Yeah, love does find a way. And if one of my very funny friends, JP, posted on Facebook the other day, and if you and if you look, you'll actually realize that President's Day is actually all around you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like that.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what I like.
0: Let me guess, is it a quote I shared with you earlier?
1: Well, I was going to say Lillian Hellman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, do tell. Does she have anything interesting to say about she writing? She did.
1: She she once said, The writer's intention hasn't anything to do with what he achieves. Again, that was Lillian Hellman, which I enjoyed.
0: Yeah, I thought I did okay with the quotes. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it was very good. I like that because there's... Um, like the uh, the unintentioned, I don't know, banner book or rallying cry or generational totem that some things become. I mean, a writer may just set out to write something from a very specific angle and the general pop culture consumption may come up with like a completely different interpretation or get something totally different from it than what they yeah. wanted, which... I find
0: interesting. Oh. I, I find a lot of things interesting. That is one of them.
1: That's why we have a podcast because we find so many things interesting.
0: I know it's so cool. I was really, I did find myself laughing when I was editing our podcast a little bit. Like yeah. it was, yeah, not at anything I said, but you guys were really funny. Like I'm funny. really glad you guys are you guys are buddies now.
1: Have you watched today's Mindy project?
0: I haven't yet. I went to bed. Really, really early Well, not really, really early But I had a very fitful night's sleep Because I'm on cold meds And I'm not sleeping well But I did have a great Maria Bamford dream But because of that, I was just sort of like yeah. Joke I had a great Maria Bamford dream Oh my god But uh, I was so like See, obviously, my brain, not working But I was just kind of sluggish today And felt like I was playing pickup Which was kind of yesterday, too So, I And then I got home And I immediately walked to my dogs And set up for podcasts, so so, after this, maybe.
1: Well, uh, Peter meets Mindy's boyfriend, and I, I felt I felt that that was similar to Skylar and I. Made me happy. I'm very, I'm ma- very much a Peter.
0: The, the, I, I get that. You're my Peter. Yep. You like my boyfriend. I'm glad.
1: I'm uh. a gross bro.
0: <laughs> I feel like you're more Max than you are Peter, but they're roughly Max. the same...
1: If we're gonna go happy endings, we all know I'm the Dave. I can handle it. It's fine. And I'm the penny. I hate waiting for things I'm really excited about. Like
0: And and being a writer, that's hard too. Mm hmm. Because you're like, I have a plot! But Let it just story. be done!
1: Vomit on page. Vomit on page.
0: What do you mean yeah, I've only written good. a chapter?
1: <laughs> but I know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> or like things that uh like, things that have sequels coming out or whatever. I'm like, why isn't the next Star Wars movie here? I just saw a Star Wars movie. I want to see another one.
0: Did you see the photo, uh, the first Han Solo photo?
1: I did. I, I'm
0: sh- I, I like that I asked that question knowing full well that, oh, of course you did. You were probably staring at it at the same time that I was and being like, hmm, hmm. Like, hmm. when we watched that that uh, video at the same time on Star Wars Day and you're like, you should watch this. And I sent you the photo that I was watching it. Um...
1: Oh, such Friendship. a good trailer.
0: Uh, speaking of sequels, uh, you shared some interesting information uh, off the uh, podcast with me about some extensions to series.
1: Yeah, well, one I guess is becoming a series because Neverwhere, the Neil Gaiman now uh, classic for him. I wouldn't say it's a classic, but it was a TV show for BBC, and then he adapted it into. He created it as a TV show, and then he wrote a novelization. Um, And he's writing a sequel, which Mm -hmm. um, is almost, it's like 20 years later uh, since that came out. So that's kind of a big deal. And it was also just announced that there will be a follow-up to his Dark Material books. There's going to be a new book in that world and universe. Good, because that ending
0: was depressing.
1: (laughs) I honestly have not read the series. I'm sure the pros are great, but the... uh, the interviews with the author just kind of put me off a little bit like you don't seem very nice
0: (laughs) yeah that's why i didn't like bradley cooper for a fair amount of time yeah just like you're kind i i I think because i connected him to like his wedding crusher's character or something but like early bradley cooper just was kind of tooly even when he was a cool guy he was kind of a tool
1: yeah kind of like a mean matthew mcconaughey
0: it's like a, ma- a smart Matthew McConaughey, because I don't think Matthew McConaughey would be nice if he was smart.
1: He's like a New York Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey's yeah. Southern, and Bradley Cooper's like a New York Matthew McConaughey. Just kind of, meh. it's kind of mean.
0: <laughs> yeah. We talk about Matthew McConaughey way too much on this podcast.
1: And everyone else has moved on, but I can't let it go. I know there's gold in there somewhere.
0: <laughs> it's the name of his new movie. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. Are there any books or series that you wish had a sequel or were an extension on the series?
1: Um, I was thinking about this, and up until the Disney acquisition, I would have been lobbying for more Star Wars. But it's interesting to look at, like, complete things, like His Dark Material, complete trilogy. It's done. Where are we going to go? What are we going to revisit? Is it worth it? And the Neverwhere example, single, solitary thing, should there be a sequel? Could there be a sequel? And in the could or should there be a sequel category, I have thought that uh, Big Trouble in Little China could definitely use a sequel.
0: Uh, And that's why I love you.
1: (laughs) I mean, he's so old now. I think it'd be fantastic if he was still a trucker. Like, not retired, just still a trucker.
0: He's just... He's got nothing else going on.
1: No, but on a more serious, like... I don't even want to say literary note. But, I don't know. There are TV shows whose endings I weren't real happy with, but I don't like the spin-offs of TV shows. Um, On more of a fiction level. I would actually, and this is weird, I would like to see a sequel to The Fault in Our Stars.
0: You know what's funny was I was I was gonna do a John Green book, but it wasn't that one.
1: I uh, get out of my brain. Um, <clears throat> I was
0: gonna do an abundance of Catherines.
1: gotcha i I just would I like the she went through so much growth and so much learning about life and love. I'd really like to see that character in mourning like really in mourning long term while staring at her own mortality yeah i think that would be fascinating
0: i can't remember who it was but someone said uh well what happens to her though and i was like well obviously she dies she's gonna die like sorry spoiler alert but she's gonna die like that's an ongoing thing that she's like living on borrowed time as is and then well maybe there's like a Maybe there's like a, a cure or something. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not the point of this book. Like, that's not the point of John Green, period.
1: Well, and remember in the book how she's reading a book and she wants to know what happens after the book is done and she asks the author?
0: It gets so meta. It gets so meta. Right?
1: <laughs> it's like uh. foreshadowing, guess what, guys? You're not going to have a perfect little bow, satisfactory answer what I get
0: yeah what I get annoyed with is the criticism of that film
1: mm-hmm.
0: because people kind of I feel like anyone who sees that film needs to read the book and I don't mean to be that asshole it's like you should read the book but you it is so much more than like a cancer flick like which is I know what a lot of people related to because of the nature of how beautifully written it is and there's so much about living half-lives and it's very well portrayed, in my opinion. And it really bothers me when people just sort of set it aside and sort of shrug it off as this cancer film. Another, It's like a walk to remember or something like that. This, this, Nicholas Sparks' This Is Not.
1: Well, and that's always the hard thing with adaptation is you, for a lot of people, if you are the writer, director, producer, actor, whatever, you are, for many people, the exposure to that material. That is the representation. Like, for many people, they saw the Lord of the Rings before reading them, or Harry Potter, or whatever. And with that comes a burden of honesty, truthfulness, like, telling the story as it is. And it's very hard to condense a novel of any size to two hours or two and a half hours and capture the nuances. Because there's no budget for a novel... It's words on a page. You can write that indefinitely. You can be mm-hmm. as descriptive and detailed and finite and specific as you want. And for a film to capture the same level of minutiae and to even and especially when you're looking at a film that is through a first person perspective versus a novel that's through first person perspective, you, you're losing a whole swath of their emotional core that you're not going to get because it's not in their voice, and especially not the whole time. Every line of dialogue is run back through the protagonist's filter. He sounded like this. I felt like this. When he said that, it made me think of this. And we can't. We don't have time or space for that in a film. And so adaptation, I do not envy anyone who has to ad, adapt a beloved book because you're never going to please that core fan base. They'll be excited. But there will always be a contingent that's like, eh, the book was better, or the book had more to it.
0: It's sort of like that whole Wild thing. And if you watch the redone, like the revamped Gilmore Girls, there's a whole thing about people, the people who saw the movie Wild and the people who read the book Wild and like their differences. But it's an interesting thing because I was laughing about it because I actually feel like it's a pretty accurate adaption, mainly because Nicholas Sparks did it. And Nicholas Sparks, I think, is a stunning. Uh, uh, screenplay adapter and he, I mean he's a stunning writer but he also is very good friends with Cheryl Strayed who wrote it and worked with her so it's funny when people make that big difference between the book and the movie I'm like that was not the best comparison in my opinion but okay
1: not, not a great place to start your case study from yeah no what are some uh, possible sequels um, or th- sequels to completed stories that you would like to see
0: yeah, it's interesting because you originally were talking about series when we were texting, and I was thinking about I'm like, for the most part, honestly, the series I feel like ended when they needed to, and it's more like wanting an addition to a book. But one thing I actually thought of was one book I wish I hadn't experienced, and it is, it's the, and it's a sequel, but it's, I and mean, it was done under kind of sketchy circumstances anyway, but it's Ghost at the Watchman. Mm-hmm. Um,. And that was hard for me because just it. Sorry, let's go set a Watchmen. Uh, it's hard for me because of the fact that To Kill a Mockingbird is such a blood book, and this was it was felt unfinished. It felt incomplete, and the nature of like it being collected seemed a little sketchy, and it really kind of shatters the illusion of Atticus Finch being this hero, and yeah. that's hard for me. I have in the last few years, read a lot of books with really well-fleshed-out characters where, I mean, some of them are, like, huge books, like uh, City on Fire, which is a book I recommended to you a while back. It's amazing, but I would have done with, and it's really, really long, but I could have done with, like, sort of a set of side stories. Like, it's sort of like the idea of how Seymour is a side, it's sort of an aside of Salinger's Franny and Zoe, because that was their brother. And so you hear reference to Seymour. I would have liked something like that for City on Fire. I actually just read The Nest. It's been a popular book. Oh, gosh, I'm gonna. I would butcher. I would butcher the author's name. But it's new. It's The Nest. Uh, look it up. It's about these four siblings, the Plum siblings, and their. Basically reevaluating their lives due to their like the nest, which is like an like a uh, allocated funds from their father like a nest egg but not, and finding out that they don't have an amount and sort of this the dynamic of siblings, the dynamic of what happens when you think you have money to settle on as opposed to when you just it's sort of like this idea of like don't count your chickens before they hatch, and the father really didn't want them to depend upon this and then they did and it sort of shows like how falsely you can live your life and under the assumption that something will protect you and just this idea of the sibling dynamic as well was very interesting and I would have really there's a lot of things that are kind of mentioned a little bit but I would have liked a little bit more about it uh about certain siblings like Beatrice I really she lives in New York and is a writer, and so go figure. What? But yeah, so I would say I would say those two books. I also, I mean, I'm probably always gonna love Harry Potter, and so I'm fine with them expanding that universe. And I mean, obviously, I don't want them to exp- expand uh, the Lord of the Rings universe now because there's no way you could with the author. Those are worlds that I really could do with hearing more stories from, and I have no problem. I don't really want to do the screenplays, like, or the stage plays in books. Like, I don't want to do that, Yeah, but I'm okay. Like, I like learning more things. I liked the little, like, Quidditch to the Ages, and all of that, and Fantastic Beasts, and I'm... I like it. Like, I, I think it's nice to see a different side of that. I kind of like the change. I also kind of like the change in villain, although... Johnny Depp being cast
1: really. I, I can't. To me. I can't. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, but I just. Uh, when did we all turn on Johnny Depp?
0: I think it was Pirates of the Caribbean 3.
1: I was going to say, either that, I was going to say like halfway through Pirates 2. I'm like, I'm
0: getting Yeah, m- it was, I think it was feeling. somewhere in that end of Pirates 2, also Willy Wonka. I think at a certain <sighs> point we were like, hey, Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, you guys need to go on a break. Seriously, stop.
1: I think you need to see other people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, God, no. I can't, I just can't. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's a pairing that I just really, I cannot get behind.
1: It, It reaches sort of an obnoxious level. I mean, like, Quentin Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson work together a lot, but it ebbs and flows. You know, he'll be just, oh, he was the piano player For a second in In Kill Bill. Oh, actually, Kill Bill 2. It was Kill Bill 2, wasn't it? Volume 2, yep. Because then they have the longer wedding flashback at the beginning. But, you know, Hateful Eight, he's front and center. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't. He doesn't have a part in uh, Inglorious Bastards, does he? No, he's
0: not in Inglorious Bastards, but he's the butler in Django.
1: He's the butler in Django, and he's, of course, in Pulp Fiction. What? Um, what? Yeah, that's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, Clark thought it was Rutherford B Hayes, but
0: that's an interesting name to pull out of your hat there.
1: <laughs> Clark's really bad with presidents.
0: <laughs> oh man, what was it? Uh, him talking about he didn't know what's where Mrs. Robinson was from, like the song. Sure. I just, I-, I, I think I actually was in my car and I'm like yelling at the podcast. I'm like. Clark, you listen to so much mu- music. You have a podcast solely dedicated to music.
1: But even within that podcast, they often qualify things as Clark music. <laughs> this is straight up Clark music right here. So, yeah. you know, it is what Not it is. Yeah, there's the going to be a lot of ragging really on cl- Oh, yeah, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of ragging on Clark. You're going to have to snip well, out. <laughs> episode,
0: chapter one was poor Cameron. So maybe this episode is poor Clark.
1: Oh, poor, poor Clark.
0: Yeah, he was really fighting for 20 minutes of Fanta again. He was fighting yeah. for it. He was clawing to the top, trying to trying to place that Fanta can top of that monitor. He had to
1: escape escape that pit so he could get back to uh, Gotham City and defeat Bane.
0: Yeah, he was. I And, I mean, somehow via weird, what, s- suspension, his back was unbroken. I don't know. I don't really know what happened. Use
1: your medicine, man. Open your mind. That's actually something I would see a sequel to, if they if they came back. Ten? No, we're coming up on. If they came back like fifteen years later to the Nolan verse and did a Christian Bale. Led return to Gotham City, and kind of modified The Dark Knight Returns and really nolanized it again i would i would watch that in a heartbeat
0: yeah i miss nolan the days of nolan were simpler times
1: such simpler times
0: i like that i talk about it like it was so long ago but i mean like so much has happened i feel like we're on this weird train wreck of of a country ah man
1: (laughs) who's directing
0: batman man
1: (laughs) who's directing batman (laughs) sorry the batman sorry Who's Ugh.
0: directing the Batman, comma man? Question mark.
1: <laughs> I don't know. The negotiations for that with Affleck must have just been nightmarish, like
0: dark nightmarish.
1: You're done. You're on a timeout now. You are on a timeout. That is excessive punnery. That's right. You sit there. This is gonna be a solo cast. I'm kidding. Come back. I'm not very good at conversation, especially when it's just me. <laughs>
0: I didn't talk much last podcast, but it was just too funny. I had to, like, mute a few times.
1: No, Skyler Skylar talked plenty. Sh- no, 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 <laughs> Well, speaking of Hollywood, since we're all over the map and it was the only other thing I said I wanted to talk about, the WGA is uh, beginning to enter their negotiations, which happen every three years. Um, and it's very, very interesting, just from a writing perspective, a writer's perspective, I should say. God, I wish I could clock how many frickin' times I say that in an episode. It's so annoying. Ah, uh.
0: It's okay. I do weird speech things.
1: <laughs> um. To <laughs> become intimately familiar with. You're like, why do I do that all the time? Why do I sound like this?
0: I actually noticed in my last podcast with Maya that I would just pause and I'm like, I'm sober enough that I can just pause. And that is what I shall do. I was also so tired. I was so tired.
1: Aww. Yeah. Um, Welcome to my life. Right? Ugh.
0: But Welcome w- to adulthood. Sorry, continue.
1: No, no, no. Adulthood is tiring. It, not wrong. Um, but the WGA negotiations I, I find really interesting because it's collective bargaining... For independent contractors, like none of these, none of these writers. I mean, even when you're on a show, you kind of work at will. You can be fired pretty easily, um, even if you're a TV writer. But it Sorry. just from like it. A...
0: There's a huge roll of thunder that just shook my home.
1: Oh, I thought that was just feedback.
0: That. And that's why I was making that face, and I was like. And my dogs are freaking out right now.
1: Oh, I assumed it was the beginning of Poltergeist or something.
0: Yeah, no, I, as soon as they calmed out, it. decided that was just really jarring because it wasn't raining when I was outside. Although it's like how this helicopter went really low over my house one one night. I was just like, shit, did they find me?
1: Run, E.T., run! Um, no, just the nature of negotiating... Collectively, for a bunch of individuals that will land all over the spectrum, it's like it's not like you know, fast food workers striking for 15 bucks an hour or something like that. Like, yeah, there's an established Hollywood minimum, which right now, WGA standard the minimum for a movie with a budget above a million dollars, um, the minimum the screenwriter gets paid. It was a hundred and twenty thousand dollars.
0: Fuck! I need to just get better.
1: That's about a thousand dollars a page, minimum.
0: Would you pay me a thousand dollars a page right now? No. Don't for answer what? that question. Actually, for like anything I'm writing, because <laughs> I wouldn't. I'm Do you, not you write
1: Betty and Veronica snuff? Because Austin would love that.
0: Oh seriously? Oh, yeah. I'll send him some of my some of my some of my copies.
1: But, like, it's just... Uh, Hollywood writing is so crazy because you have no consistency. Like, if something sells, it sells. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's like any sort of artistic venture. Like, oh, your show got canceled. You're out of work. Or, oh, your play closed. Well, you better go find something else to act in. Or, like, oh, you, you're you over 30. You're not allowed to be a dancer anymore. Um, Things happen. <laughs>
0: You're a mom but,
1: now. You're a mom. You go open a studio in your hometown and you drill your little girls because you're upset about missing your glory days. Um, is, that the, is, is that the pilot to Bunheads? Is that what that I was, was about? Just say, that
0: seems like the premise to Bunheads. I never actually watched it. My mom did. I'll ask her. I'll let you know next podcast.
1: Please do. I never did either. I, I like Sutton Foster and I looked at that and was like, We all deserve better than this. I'm not. I'm not going to participate, (laughs) right? No, I think it's totally worthwhile, especially when you consider the amount of revisions that are worked into most contracts. Like you have to rewrite this a couple of times, and if you and a lot of people get paid scale, so it's a formula that I'm not going to pretend I know how it works.
0: I was about to say, yeah, I'm not in agreement. Yeah, no scale and royalties and and other buzzwords.
1: No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to tool around on the WGA website and learn stuff about membership and requirements and minimums. Minimums are sick, man, though. If you mm. if you write an episode of television, you're looking at about $45,000 and it's just... What'd your cat do? She has figured out how doorknobs work, so she will jump, latch on with her front paws, hang there, wiggle, meow, and then eventually give up and fall down.
0: (laughs) Your cat is like a velociraptor in Jurassic Park.
1: I I said to my wife, I'm glad we don't have handles. We have knobs. She can't get in. If we had a handle, you can bet your ass she would grab it, do a pull-up, and open the door. You know what's great
0: is, sorry, is if you've got the childproof lock like knob covers, and someone's like, you have a baby? And be like, no, we have a dick of a cat.
1: (laughs) She's a monster. She's like Really cute sometimes. We were sitting on the couch, and I was petting her belly, and she was really nice. And a little bit before that, she'd run in here and knocked over a framed picture of Courtney's family. I'm like, not ah, cool, cat. Why you gotta do... She's why, you like, gotta be why
0: don't dad? you take me to Montana? You take the fucking dog to Montana.
1: I am your family now.
0: <laughs> no, I remember... Uh, last year when I was visiting you and falling asleep and waking up and your cat was just like on me, <laughs> it's like she's trying to kill
1: me. I want to be like Hemingway with my cat and sometimes, cause Courtney will be going to bed right about now and Indy likes to sleep on the bed and I'm a pushover. So Indy gets to sleep on the bed. And then if I stay up writing, the cat will come and sit on my lap but then eventually she jumps up on my shoulders and she'll start kneading and she'll claw the fuck out of me and I have to throw her across the room. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I, I want to I be like Papa. I want to be cool and just wear my sweater and write and have my cat hanging out. But my cat's a dick and I am not very talented. All I've got is the sweater and the, and the clickety-clack of the keys. And uh, the end border of borderline alcoholism. <laughs> Although actually I'm getting better on that. I know you are. I'm trying.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel with my dog sometimes. Did I tell you that Milo bit me in my sleep because I because uh, uh, I accidentally like nudged him and it startled him so he bit me.
1: What? A like dick. just on my
0: heel. But I like woke up and Milo's a dog, <laughs> but funny. I think he secretly is a cat.
1: <laughs> but
0: I he sleeps at the foot of my bed, and uh, he yeah I accidentally nudged him. Cause sometimes I have active dreams and yeah, he, he definitely bit me. And I didn't really, I thought I woke up and I was in pain and I'm like, what just happened? But then I went back to sleep because it's me. And then the next day I looked and there's just this little nick on my heel, like not a huge thing, but enough for like, it's a, it's a canine canine. Yeah. Maisie just wants to hold me. She was snoring really loud last night though. Or maybe I'm just sick and everything feels exacerbated probably yeah my dogs are like my children
1: may they forever stay that way
0: but... i'm sorry for my future children
1: <laughs> you will be treated like dogs <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's just how it goes but if you happen to be a hedgehog you will be my favorite <laughs> <laughs> you will be my favorite dog not my favorite child
1: <laughs> how many unfortunate hedgehogs have been named sonic
0: Well, I really want to name my hedgehog Sonic.
1: I knew you would. You're so basic. (laughs) I am
0: so basic. Well, no, I had like a whole whole idea. It wasn't just me. It was my significant other and I were discussing having a hedgehog together.
1: How can something be both simultaneously adorable and so, so sad?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because that's basically our relationship. It's adorable and so, so sad.
1: That's on brand for you.
0: Like... Yep. My dream, my dream is for us to live in the same place and to watch movies together at night. (laughs) That's, that's what I want in my life.
1: It's pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. That's not a dumb dream.
0: So speaking of your wife, we should wrap this shit up.
1: Probs. Totes probs. Um, So we don't
0: take up her space.
1: No, she's, she's in bed and she, she loves the sound of me yelling about movies. It's really, it's her top five favorite sounds.
0: Well, I would hope so, because that's what she signed on for, for 50 plus years.
1: That's right behind I uh, think I'm going to live 50 I years, was that's adorable. Say, Let's talk about
0: your, actually your health choices, because that might not be the case.
1: Well, uh, I ate vegan all day, I've worked out a lot, and I've cut back on alcohol intake, and I don't smoke anymore, so... Shit, I could end up living past 50.
0: Well, I've never smoked tobacco.
1: There we go. <laughs> that's that's the qualifier I was looking for.
0: Um, I have never smoked tobacco. Like, I've never been a smoker. Uh, which, in Missoula, is actually a feat. I know you're making that face at me because... No, I have asthma. Like, bad so asthma. So do I! <laughs> well, I guess I have asthma and want to breathe. <laughs>
1: Um, I I'm out of shape doesn't stop me from having <laughs> sex. You do you do things, you know? They're probably not like <laughs> great have... ideas.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I actually have gotten better. I have to give Anne credit for the fact that she eats really healthy and cooks a lot, so I thus eat healthy due to my general laziness. Mm. And I'm pretty active. I'm a pretty active person. Um and yeah, so I mean really it's just more of that uh my brain works real funny. That's about it right now.
1: I would love to hear you read a poem and we can talk about it and what we're writing and what we would recommend to each other and somehow land the screeching halt of our flaming wreck at the finish line of this podcast.
0: Yeah, I feel like the I feel like that um scene in Wreck It Ralph We're all hell done break loose in that race. And things are falling apart. And they still... And she still wins. You go, Sarah Silverman.
1: You can fix it. mm
0: Mm-hmm. She's the... She's the... What? The glitch? Is that what they call her? The glitch? Mm -hmm. I am the glitch in this Matrix. All right. So... I'm going to read a poem. I actually, uh... Alluded to it in my acceptance speech for my Oscar last week. Or, no, it'll be two weeks ago when this comes out. Yeah, sure. It's called Theater of the Mind. It's called Hydrostatic Equilibrium. And uh, yeah, I'm real smart and use big words. Okay. In the expanse within each other's orbit, we were not the sun. Heat was not what we aimed to be. Face to face we spun, in sync as a form to be a pair. You fell from grace, planet no longer your title. My dedication would never falter. No matter your classification, I remained a devoted cohort. Names will change, allies shift, but my faith is in you. In balance when we are at rest.
1: So the thing that you hit with your language here that I really appreciated... Appreciated? Um is the dance-like quality of the language and the general orbit that you're describing. Like the, the ballet of the stars is something that I've always found fascinating. And th- terms like a fall from grace, imbalance, we are at rest, um, and being in each other's orbit, and the uh, in sync as a form to be a pair it really reminded me of potadou de like like a flashback to, you know, college ballet class. And the rhythm of the lines feels very dance-like, which I don't know how you feel about the, the rhythm of this piece, but I think it's one of its strongest points.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. This poem is roughly based on Pluto and its moon Charon because they are in balance when they're at rest. They're constantly facing each other as they orbit. And it's kind of like this beautiful romance. And I, I loved the idea of it. I was talking with someone about it and I just started seeing it as this idea of like when you're in a relationship, you're in that person's orbit. But this idea of not... It being two ways, it not just being like you're in one person's orbit or they're in your orbit. You fit each other so well that everything seems aligned. And that's not always perfect, but it's astonishing how something so perfect can be created from masses in space colliding and developing orbital like force. And there's something poetic about that, and it's sort of a beautiful love story, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, to find romance in spinning rocks, I think, is an exceptional use of human insight. That's the sort of thing that you read it, you hear about it, we're talking about it, and you just think, why hasn't that been referenced in a film or movie? A film or movie? Wow. A film or TV or a novel or something. I'm not aware of a Jerry Maguire-esque speech that references Sharon and Pluto, which yet I think is is yet so I am actually this... writing
0: something and that is involved in it
1: <laughs> you heard it here first folks so if anybody comes out with something they ripped off a dare
0: they did no I I, I actually have a I a speech that I just wrote because you know I, I'm trying I'm writing a, a a small screenplay right now maybe it'll become a big screenplay but there's a speech in it that I I like just kind of came up with, and I was like, yes, I don't know who's gonna fucking say this, but this is gonna be a thing in it.
1: Uh, homeless monologues are really fun. We you're just, like just you putting it out even, there. Well, you just you don't even like know the character yet, but you know this part of a character, like this moment. You just feel so intensely that someone could be driven to this specific point or feel this thing the way you're feeling it just then. You're like, I don't know, I don't know who I'm gonna shove this. Into I don't know whose mouth this is going to come catapulting out of, but I am writing it down right now and saving it because it needs it needs to go so it needs to be. Yeah. These words demand existence.
0: There you go. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. I'm stealing that. You know what else is great is homeless people's monologues, like when they tell you about the people up up in space that are watching us, or that the government is corrupt.
1: In which Most case. That's every
0: politician in Seattle.
1: Most of the homeless monologues that I hear start off with, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to interrupt you.
0: There was a guy that walked in front of my car today, actually, and it was the weirdest thing because he had a beeper. He had like a a button-up shirt. It was tattered, but I mean, like he had a button-up shirt and he had a beeper in it, like an old hospital beeper, and he was wearing this like big coat. And he had an American flag on his backpack. And then he had this big Grateful Dead patch on his pants. And I was, like, watching because he's just stopped in front of my car. So it was, for a second I thought, oh, like, I had a moment of I don't know if this person is homeless or not. And then he looked at me. He pointed at my license plate, pointed to me, pointed to his beeper, pointed to my license plate, and then walked in front of the car in front of me. <laughs> and I just went, what just happened
1: well clearly there was an explosion um in a 1987 time machine factory and he was catapulted into the future and he's just trying to figure it out
0: all right i'll go with that because that makes more sense than you know all the other things i came up with
1: i've told you about the pigeon man before
0: yes that is my favorite new york story of all time
1: and I still have, I, I'm at a loss, I have no explanation for him. I like to think he's a professor of aviary studies, but that's really the most optimistic outcome. And even then, <laughs> he's he's going above and beyond, or violating all kinds of codes of conduct.
0: Dan, I hate to tell you this, but he's eating those pigeons. <laughs> that's a good silence.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, that. so yeah. Uh. So that was my poem. I, I'm finding a lot of uh, romance in space right now. Faith in the sea, romance in space. These are two porns I will not be writing the scripts for.
1: Faith in the sea, romance in space. That's, uh, that right there is a good line. Man, we're just, just on fire tonight.
0: Oh, God, all of these are copyrighted. Just so you know, anyone who's listening, they're all copyrighted. Uh, no, um, speaking of working on projects, Dan, tell me what you're working on.
1: Still plugging away at my pilot script. Um, last night I outlined what's going to be a 17-part poem um, through which I, I know you hate me already. Um, I'm going to be experimenting with some different, some different um, meters and figuring some things out. And then I'm going to go back and do the whole thing. I'm going to work through it and try different things in each section. And then once I think I've found what I want and what's working, then I'm going to go back and uniform make the whole thing uniform. Um, so that just came to me last night. Um, I wrote a parody song the other night, just spur of the moment, um, like I said, which was really fun. and. Um, I'm doing the Khan Academy Pixar Storytelling class so the Pixar, Pixar story artists just do these like 5 minute videos and then you do an exercise and then there's another 5 minute video and you do an exercise it's really fun and it's just that a nice fun. way to be doing something that's not self motivated I like just taking the instruction from somebody else for a change uh, that's not a collaborator. It's just like, do this thing. I'm like, okay. So I uh, from that has come a, a seed of an idea based on a, a pretty shitty event in my life. Because they're like, write about a memory that you have vividly. How are you feeling? Write about that. And I was like, I was angry. I was betrayed. Um, but yeah, so it's, that's been, uh, it's been an interesting to... This year, I've been really mining personal experience for not just emotional texture like I usually do, but like actual exploration of places I've been in my life and things that I've felt in a more personal way instead of just like, oh, I remember how it feels to be that angry, or I remember how it feels to be that sad. But trying to capture more of the circumstance and more of the truth in those emotions Instead of just a general recollection of them. So that's kind of been... It's kind of been my rambling and uh, pompous way of talking.
0: What's it like to feel?
1: You know, it's uh, its nice sometimes. It's not others.
0: Oh, sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds nice. No, I really like that. i I just really like going out of your regular routine sometimes to experience a new story or to find a new story. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I almost, so I was looking at Hugo house classes and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just, I was thinking, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll just take a class. I looked at the class I was looking at and I looked at the instructor, uh, instructor and it was one of my friends. I'm like, fuck that. I'll just go and ask her to write with me for 45 minutes. Not gonna pay to pay a hundred dollars to take her class not Absolutely saying like not. not saying that it's not worth it, but I mean when you know that person like and have drinks with them on a monthly basis I was say
1: you can oh. buy them dinner, it's cheaper mm.
0: yeah, it's yeah no I would i but it was just very funny to me because I was like, oh, this class looks really. No, I'm not gonna pay to talk to her. I can just talk to her on Saturday at brunch. Ridiculous. That's fine. And I mean, it sounds super shitty, but she uh, was one of the people that ran the residency I did, and so I was like, well, she already thinks I'm good enough to put in her books. so I feel like mm. I don't want
1: to pay for this. <laughs>
0: no, I I did. Uh, yeah, I walked into another. It's a, it is a bookstore only for poetry, and I haven't gone in in a while because it closed briefly because it's a bookstore a that book sells only for poetry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the chapbook that I'm in is in there, and I was just like weird. <laughs> and then the person was trying to explain to me what it was, and I'm like, oh, I know. I'm in it. This is me. You like flip first the flip. page.
1: You're just hanging around. Hey, you, uh, What are you? What are you looking for? What, what are you? Look- oh, just uh, William Carlos William book. Oh, you should. Uh, should uh, you should check out this chapbook. book. I hear it's. Uh, I hear it's pretty good.
0: Ready Player so- One. You should probably look at this poetry collection. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's funny because Elliot Bay. I went with uh, a three year old. <laughs> Elliot Bay books and saw the book and I was like looking at it and looking through it and the child was completely uninterested about that and so I was just like but I'm in this I want to look at it. but there's trucks over here and a castle over here like yeah what what that's my life
1: so have you been have you been creating anything specifically geared towards capturing that three-year-old's imagination
0: no, I haven't. But since you brought it up, um, I'm doing something different. <clears throat> so I'm almost done with my poetry book, and it's been really exciting. But upon writing that poetry book, I realized that there's a fucking book in it, <laughs> and I was reading it, and I was like, I'm still gonna do this because it's very vague. It's all very vague. It's like puzzle pieces, and because it's also not, it's not gonna be linear. And so, you're yawning, but for a second I thought you were excited. And I'm now death. I'm bummed out. Um,
1: it's just late and I didn't sleep last night.
0: So, yeah, no, I get it. Um, I'm sick, but I'm I'm well for this. But
1: <laughs> but I'm not yawning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but who's that yawning? Oh, no, I'm actually going to yawn now. I can feel it. Fuck.
1: You um, had to comment about it.
0: <laughs> it's, it's emotional triggers, man. But, yeah. So I was reading it and it's very nonlinear because I wanted it to be nonlinear. Um, so it goes from 2005 to now or to like a few months ago. So it's like 2005 to 2017. And so that's a wide expanse of time. But none of it's linear. It's all kind of vague. There's not a lot. I mean, there's, there's connections. It's all connected to one state. And so that's very cool. Um and I'll have a little bit before it because of that nice gum. And so uh, So I don't smoke. That's fair. Um so it's there's a little bit before like I'm doing a little intro to explain what it is, so it doesn't seem completely out of love field. But other than that I was like reading it and I'm like i like it there i mean i there's still a few poems that need to be added but i think it's like a good length i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna send it to you once it's done and i can pile all the pieces together you're actually i think gonna be the first person i'm gonna send it to
1: oh i'm so honored that'd like, be fantastic
0: yeah. i think i think it'll be you and megan because she is an avid poetry reader. Yeah, so, but, so I was reading it, though, and I was like, you know what, I honestly feel like this relationship I've had with this state that I have written so much about and who is a- that has affected me so much, I feel like I'm at a point in my life that it's not a conclusion with this state, but there's this end goal at this point that I feel is very doable and I feel like it's like almost almost 15 like I mean at that point there'll be like 13 years of experiences that have led me to the point that I'm at and I think it's that's what it's going to become I think it's going to become a book and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be in different parts like high school college and then a, like adulthood and I experience Texas in different ways each time. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was telling someone the story of why I go to Texas so much that I work with. And I told her this, st- I was telling her the story and I was halfway through my story of explaining it to her cause it's a long ass story. Um, and she was like, whoa, I didn't see that just happening. Cause she was like, I totally thought this is where you were going to go with this, but this is not where you went with it. And now I'm really confused. And I was like, yeah, my life is confusing. So yeah, it was, it was interesting though. But the fact that she was like, so, uh, so after, after we had this drive that I had told her all about all of this on, cause we were going to a work retreat a few times during the retreat, she like turned to me and she'd be like, so what, what about this? Like what, what about this thing? Like what happened with that? And I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you more about my life because I love talking. So it was, but it was sort of this realization after like looking at the poems and then talking to people that I just realized that is a story that I want to tell. And I'm telling it in different ways each time I tell it. But this, I feel like is the real like nitty gritty of the story. So I'm writing a book.
1: That's so awesome. I'm really excited. so proud of you
0: i'm really excited
1: i love when something you're writing reveals something else that needs to be written or a project start starts small and grows from there or like you know you noticed one day you were writing a lot of poems about texas you're like yeah oh, i should do something with this and so that becomes a book of poetry and then it becomes a a novel encompassing your experiences with this state and that's the way that that grows, I mean, you're going to be the governor of Texas. That's what's going to happen. No, but the, uh, the, just the progression <laughs> no. of that from just knowing that it's a part of your soul like that is, tells me it's definitely worth pursuing. And there's a reason that that voice is speaking so loudly.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because every person I've talked to, because it, when I talk about like where I'm from and, you know, places that matter to me because i've always explained like i'm from montana i live in seattle i spent a, uh, like a, a fair amount of time in california because that's where my gra- grandparents live so i always kind of felt like i was a californian and that's also my weird little slangs are from california but i also feel kind of like my other home was in texas and i always did And it wasn't necessarily because, like, I had family in Texas, but I developed a large group of friends there, and I had this amazing experience when I was 15 that my dogs don't agree with, so fuck, what am I gonna do?
1: That was before we were alive. It doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Gotta tell them some things. I've broken a lot of news to them about my life. But yeah, so that's something I'm really excited about, and I'm working on it, and... started it's been a slow startup but i feel like this is like a piece of writing that has been 10 years in the making so i feel like i keep going back to this story so i think there's a reason why so i'm very excited about that Yeah. now let's go back and listen to the paintings what
1: i love seeing you (laughs) jazzed about things as they're happening
0: yeah as opposed to my text where i'm just like i'm so tired i'm sick I'm tired
1: life is hard
0: life is really hard I I mean that I feel like that's been my majority of my text to you lately where I'm just like life is really fucking hard being an adult is hard
1: it blows doesn't it
0: I mean yeah I wouldn't trade my I wouldn't trade it to be anywhere else I'm I'm a work in progress but I feel like I'm a work in progress to something really cool so that's good And I feel like um, I feel like we're like getting on some sort of positive trajectory that way.
1: Slowly but surely, it feels like the ship is righting itself. All right, before I leave you, um, we should probably recommend something to each other.
0: We probably should.
1: And I promised you gladiators. Okay, tell me. I would like to recommend to you the latest ear movie from the Blacklist Table Reads podcast mm. called Maggie's Dawn. Um, so it's an unproduced screenplay that they turn into a radio play or as they like to call them, ear movies. Movies for your ears. Um, and there's a, a big gladiatorial combat bit right in the middle. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But trust me, it's good. And I think, I think you'll like it.
0: All right. And uh, you're going to scoff at mine. I know because I would scoff at mine. So if you don't, you're a better person than I am, which we already knew. Oh. So, so there's this Australian writer named Leanne Moriarty, and she's like, I'm sure you've seen her books. They always have; they're very colorful, and there's normally like some sort of weird candy-related thing on the cover. But the books are always like "The Husband's Secret," "What Alice Forgot," or uh, "Truly Madly Guilty." But there's this book called "Big Little Lies" that she wrote. And I was given it as like a recommendation from a friend and I read it and I was like, honestly, like, yeah, it's an interesting plot, but I am not into these kinds of books. And I like apologize. I was like, I read the books you recommended, but they're not my style because they aren't. But it's an interesting premise, and I totally acknowledge that. But HBO just picked it up as like a, a, like a, a series. Um, yeah, it's a
1: miniseries now. Yeah.
0: And so I watched the first episode, and having read the book, They made it, because all the books take place in Australia, and they've transferred it over to the Monterey Peninsula in California, which is where I spent a lot of my childhood. So that was very cool, because I spent a lot of time at Carmel-by-the-Sea, which is outside of San Francisco, and it's on the Monterey Peninsula. And so I think the setting is really great, and they got a really great cast of characters. And uh, it's uh reese witherspoon shailene woodley um laura dern uh nicole kidman uh alexander sarsgaard um adam scott zoe kravitz um but you could have stopped
1: after laura dern i I, I love me some laura dern
0: i know right it's like the song
1: for every season Dern, dern
0: dern 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 yeah anyway it's great it's the they do a really great flash for like flashback and then like fast forward um, of a murder that happens and they do a really great job of transferring the book to the movie or to the show and it's just it's very interesting um there are certain parts that I was like "Eh." but for in general like I thought it was really well casted and I think it's going to be a really interesting way that they go about things and I like the cast a lot Adam Scott with a beard reminds me way too much of Skylar. (laughs) And so, I'm just like, oh. "Oh."
1: I could see that. Yeah,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, there's just, it's some interesting relationships and dynamics. And it's a lot of, like, parents and children and then the relationships with the parents. And, yeah, it's very good, though, Uh, so far. I have watched one episode because one episode has come out, but... I actually would say I'd recommend that because I think it's interesting. And having read cool. the books, I think it's uh, the read the book. I think it's I think it's good. I think it's worth your time. I think I'll Courtney would like it, it too. I think yeah. Courtney would like it. I mean, beautiful shots from California, like beautiful.
1: Oof, I do love me some good sweeping cinematography.
0: Mm, yeah, I'll take you back to your honeymoon.
1: I miss it. I want to go back to wine country, and this time I'll have money, and I'll get us one of those cab services. So I can just like lay on with the wine. Just drown in it. They'll call me Dionysus by the time I leave.
0: That shouldn't be a goal of yours, to be called Dionysus. That sounds super douchey.
1: It sounds like a nickname that I could reasonably achieve, though. No one's ever going to call me Slugger or Champ. Dionysus, though, that's on brand for me.